Welcome to Boating Insights. This is a podcast about achieving your boating dreams. Brought to you by Above and Beyond Boating. We deliver the leading courses to skipper your own boat. Welcome back to Boating Insights. I'm lucky enough to be joined today by my good friend, Mr. John Naylor. Thanks for joining us, John. No problem at all. Um, And today's podcast, we're going to be talking to you um, about offshore racing, particular focus given that we're both here in Sydney and with one of the most popular races in Sydney for offshore racing. I think we all know which one it is. But before we get on to that, um, John and I met um, very much through a coaching capacity of offshore yacht racing and offshore uh, yacht sailing. And, um, And one of the reasons that John's here will become apparent shortly is that kind of vast experience he's had in a, a range of roles, more so probably than anyone I, I certainly know. Um, but before we get on to that, I'm going to just ask John to kind of explain a little bit for you uh, of his kind of general sailing, and then we're, we're going to jump in talking about offshore racing. So, um, John, why don't you just explain a bit about kind of how you how you do your yachting and where, where you come from? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, um, I think the first thing to, ex- to say is I've been a sailor ever since I was a little kid. Um, probably started when I was six or seven sailing toppers in uh, back out in Cyprus actually, and uh, and my sailing journey has had lots of different craft. Um, you know, I've actually probably been more of a windsurfer much of my life. You know, and just loved that particular sailing craft, and always had some windsurfing gear, and got out to do that as often as I could. Um, but sailing boats has always been there and obviously a windsurfer is an individual sport and you don't get that you know, participation together that you get out of sailing, even just two-handed in a dinghy, but then obviously as the boat get bigger and the, the crews get bigger, you get all those amazing dynamics of having to do, you know, work a difficult machine together. And you know, when there's 10 people doing a kite jibe, when you pull it off in a big wind, that's a pretty good feeling. So, you know, sailing, sailing has been a part of my life uh, since I can remember. And, uh, but it was really coming to Sydney when I was in my 20s that, uh, that I really got into racing yachts because there's such a huge racing scene here. And um, one thing led to another and I found myself doing a Sydney to Hobart. Thanks, mate. Um, and, um, you know, I love that the, the one thing led to another really, you know, very much is how a lot of people end up sailing here in, in Sydney because, you know, there are a lot of boats, there's a lot of racing. Um, let's look um, at the wider sort of offshore yacht racing particular. I mean, I, obviously you range from having done training, yacht master, examiner, delivery, skippering, everything. But when we're looking at the offshore yacht racing, I mean, is it for everyone? What keeps people coming back? Yeah, it's a funny sport. Um, look, I... I think I think the first thing I th- always think about is whenever I'm offshore, and again we just had a the uh, Bird Island race this weekend, first time out in a long time, and I just couldn't help thinking how privileged I was to be out there. You know, it's it, you know given the the circumstances so many people in the world live in, you know my the combination of opportunity and ambition that I've had has you know led me to be out there doing something that very few people can do um and you know i just always think win lose or draw no matter the result you know you're always going out for the win but somehow you're a winner just to be out there and and 
it's high adventure, it's high octane, certainly this weekend's race, you know, some some great downwind running and some super hard beating that, um, you know, makes you not sure you want to be there after a while. But, you know, then the finish line and a good result and a drink with the friends and you just think, my gosh, I'm so lucky to be able to do this kind of thing. So I guess those my, I'm always thinking like that whenever I'm out there. Um, and the other, the other thing I often say to friends is, you know, amongst all of the things that I have a passion for is perhaps one of the most paradoxical where, you know, if another family was to, you know, call me up and say, hey, we've just booked our first skiing holiday. I'd be like, oh, that's epic. You know, you guys are going to love it. You know, make sure you do this. Oh, you know, remember to you, know, you give them all the top tips of, you know, what it's like to have done a skiing holiday with the family or surfing or something like that. But yacht racing is not one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> that you immediately go out and recommend to everybody you know you know it's um it's more in the category of mountaineering i always often think where it appeals to people who have a taste for adventure and 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 who want to participate in something where the adventure level is so high that the comfort level <laughs> can be literally i mean really about as uncomfortable as i think a human being can get and still have a beating heart i mean it it can be literally torture and so it's a very paradoxical sport but uh and then it makes me wonder well what what's where does the bug come from you know what is it that keeps people coming back year after year after year to do a race like the hobart um you know to to get back out on their yacht and put themselves through it all and uh i've had a bit of time to think about it and, and I, th I think it for me it comes down to this there's something very addictive about mastering something that is incredibly difficult to master. And, and yachting in general, but particularly offshore racing, is, is this world where you have to develop so many skills in so many different areas to, and to gain mastery over that activity or event. You know, it's not just, it's not just the boat and the sailing. You know, that's hard enough, right? Just just handling the boat and all its systems and the pumps and the, the life rafts and the hydraulics and the and just the ropes and lines and all of the, just handling the boat. Then you've got to, you know, that's the sailing part and that's only one part of it. You then got to learn to master the weather to know what that's going to do and know how your boat's going to perform in it. Then you've got to, then there's this whole thing about human resources and team dynamics. You've got to bring people together. That's a skill just in all of itself and then train them to operate this craft in a way that is high performance but safe there's this massive world of peripheral knowledge that you need to be a person who can take the boat and a group of people out into an environment that is highly adventurous and has risks and bring them all back to the, the dock at the end of the day safely so they all go home and carry on with their lives happy about the amazing event they you know experience they just had and and that is so many skills that you have to become competent in that I think it just it's that that keeps people coming back year after year, time after time. Even if they were barfing their guts up at one point, that's just, oh, I've got to try again because this is just a difficult thing to master, but I want to. So that's, that's for me, that's where the bug's at. Awesome, John. And, um, and I think that set the scene really nicely. So we 
specifically want to look at the Hobart. I mean, hopefully all things being equal, you know, it's it's definitely being confirmed. It's on um, this year. By the time this goes out, then uh, that that should be a hundred percent confirmed. The um, the reason that I asked John to join us to talk about Hobart, I mean, it's pretty much anyone in Sydney that likes sailing will, will will yarn for a bit about Hobart if you give them, give them a few minutes. But particularly, John has done the race in a more varied collection of ways than anyone I've come across, and we're gonna we're gonna look at that shortly. But I just want to give you a little bit of context for that. So. I'd say it was a fair comment that anyone that goes yacht racing in Sydney in any kind of capacity has at least given thought to the Hobart. Not necessarily that they would definitely say that they want to do it. They might have also definitely not said that they don't want to do it. Um, But everyone's at least given it some thought. You know, you can't exactly miss what goes on on Boxing Day. It's pretty spectacular. Um, And between us, we have now been lucky enough to kind of see over the sort of 15, 20 years we've both been in Sydney, we've we've seen a lot of people who probably never would have believed either as skipper or crew that they would have got to do a Hobart race, kind of transition from twilight racing to actually, you know, being a well-prepared crew crossing the start and finish line m- multiple times. Um, and so the idea here is that we particularly wanted to be able to kind of just, if you like, just tick, give you tick the little itch or you know tickle your curiosity that you know even if you're at the moment just doing Wednesdays or Twilights or Saturdays uh, as skipper or crew that we just kind of help give you some different options to think about about the various ways that you might end up being involved in doing a Hobart race. So John maybe now can you just give some explanation around the different ways you've done Hobart races and taken part and then we'll, we'll sort of look at some of the pros and cons to help people understand some of them. Yeah sure. Um, so, I mean, I've never really sat down until Neil asked me this, I've never really sat down to think about it, but, um, you know, I've, I've gone on a boat to Hobart as just a regular member of a crew. Um, one of the guys, uh, other, you know, another bunch of amateur crew like me, you know, none of us getting paid and we're just there for a jolly. Um, I've been a paid member of a crew where, you know, someone thought I'd had enough experience to worth paying to bring it aboard. Um, uh, I've been in that capacity as a sort of last minute ring in where somebody, you know, just felt like, oh, I need, I need a bit more experience and they were willing to pay for my experience and bring me aboard. Uh, I've, been a, a, I've been a member of a campaign where we, we set out from, you know, from having a dinner in, Jan- in February and said to ourselves, look, you know, if we really campaign this boat properly, we can win this thing. I mean, not necessarily win first on IRC overall, but win our division. And, um, you know, been through from a first training in March and April through to the winter series and all the blue waters and culminated in a, a very good result in the Hobart. Um, I've been paid to be a coach for skippers and sort of coached them to lead and run the boat themselves rather than sort of take over myself. Um, and I've just been a, a skipper. Um, and I've also sailed as well as with amateur crews who are just, you know, Sydney siders who go, who go racing and have decided to become part of a campaign for Hobart, but also with paying crew um, who are actually, you know, going to a, a company who are running a yacht in the Hobart and uh, they're paying, you know, several thousand dollars for an experience. And then there's a whole customer service 
side to the delivery where they, they're coming for an experience and your job as a now paid crew isn't just to get to Hobart, it's to provide a customer experience. Um, so, so I guess that, you know, I've never asked, thought about it until near last, but I guess that is a varied set of ways to have gone and done the race. Yeah, certainly, mate. And I mean, awesome. And I, I think, um, well, one of the things I hope we'll be able to do here is also, you know, just help you understand that either way, that if, if you've got the time and you want to, like committing to go and join a, a campaign and, and make yourself kind of useful and ready, um, you know, there's a lot of things that you might look at doing for that. You know, we'll touch on some of them, you know, things like obviously qualifications are a no-brainer, but also just see time and experience. Um, uh, the, every time I've helped people kind of make that initial step to Cat 1 where suddenly they need a crew where 50% of the crew have got Category 1 racing experience is surprisingly difficult to um, to find because there's actually not that many Category 1 yacht racing in the world. We're blessed with one here in Sydney, but... The, worldwide there's actually not that many opportunities so um doing things that might count as category one experience like you know putting your hand up to do deliveries back from especially something like hobart um or ocean crossings is a really good way of kind of making sure that you're you're able to bring things to the table other than maybe just a radio license or uh, a willingness to turn up like if you can actually help the boat qualify that's definitely a good stepping stone um but also you know paying for a ride um like john talked about a customer service experience that can um that can give you a it can give you a really good opportunity i remember the, the last time he and i raced to hobart you know the result was pretty good but also the the crew was so happy <laughs> and um you know remember that there were a couple of guys who um had found a free ride and you know, I think with the benefit of hindsight, they probably would have rather pay. Uh, <laughs> that's probably the best way I could put that. Um, so um, let's look at some of the pros and cons. Maybe why, why don't you start off looking at um, putting a whole campaign together, John? Is that a good place to start? Yeah. So, I mean, if if, if this conversation is, is sort of going to be most useful for people who haven't yet done a Hobart, in whatever stage they're at in their sailing, they might be a boat owner and they're doing twilights or they're, you know, or even they've just been cruising and they're thinking about getting into racing, but in the distant future, there's this dream of maybe. Or they're just, they don't own a boat, they're just one of the guys who drives home from work on a Thursday night and jumps on a boat into the twilight. Um, you know, the, the, the best way you, I think you could do a Hobart is if you can afford the time is to join a campaign. Um, you know, get to know people, all of this is relationships really. Um, get to know somebody who's who who puts their yacht in for the Hobart and just start sailing, you know, make yourself available, go sailing with them. And that takes time. You're investing time to get to the point where you'll be A, skilled enough um, to be useful and safe um, and B, got the relationship with people because in the end this is, you know, no one's paid any money to cross the finish line. There's not a, there's not a prize money. It really is about enjoying life and people are going to want to sail with people they just enjoy spending time with so definitely the, the best way to get into it is to spend the time invest in the relationships build up your experience on on different boats but or maybe just one boat and get there for all of you know be reliable you know if you say you're going to be there on a saturday 100 percent, you know no no dropouts on the friday afternoon um and if you're uh, if you're a boat owner, 
then just putting your boat into races. You know, you've got to be racing regularly and, and drawing in those people that you're going to need to be your crew and giving them a good time. Um, developing your, if, for a skipper, developing your own skill set so that you're not stressed. I think that's probably one of the biggest turnoffs for crew is if they're sailing with a skipper who, who's finding themselves in stressful situations and their communication starts becoming, well, less friendly. Um, <laughs> and people, you know, because yeah. in the end we're all on a life journey and we just want to, we're doing it to have a good time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's definitely the, the best way you could do it is to just spend the time either get into a campaign with the boat that's doing it or if you've got the dream start racing your boat regularly and and figure out what the schedule of races are that would eventually arrive at doing something as as big and daring as a Rolex Sydney to Hobart um so that's that's route one yeah yeah mate Re- really good and I think we've touched on a lot of useful useful points there thank you and um, why don't we go the other way now so you know for example when we've gone down and been involved with people that are paying to come, often there was a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, when we could all travel, at least half the people we would sail with had flown in. Like There was absolutely no possibility of them coming to Sydney from London or Hong Kong for the weekend. Um, So there are circumstances where people may end up needing to or looking at paying to go down. Let's just have a look at uh, maybe things to... I mean, anything's got reviews on Google these days, but realistically, as long as you can get people a jacket and take them to Hobart, they're going to get a good review. So what would be the things that you would encourage people to think about or look at, maybe training or the kind of boat or the number of professionals against amateurs on board? Like, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of thoughts, right? Yeah, so I, you know, I've had quite a number of Ho- Sydney to Hobart experiences where at least 50% of the crew were paying for their place on the boat. Um, and and many of those campaigns were incredibly enjoyable, very successful, um, and you know, a great way to do the race and do the event. Um, I've been a skipper with paying crew, I've been a paid crew as part of a paying crew, you know, bringing the, the professional experience. Um, and, uh, and I think the, f- the first thing to say about it is just, you know, you're exchanging the time you couldn't invest for a bit of money, essentially. You know, if you, for an international person who wants to do the Sydney to Hobart, they can't come and sail every weekend in Sydney, of course. So they're, they're going to pay for a spot and do a few weeks training before the race, make sure that the boat is safe and the team is safe to operate together and, uh, and then go do the race. And... And if you know if you're in that position of thinking how how not you know my life circumstances would never afford me the time to do weekend after weekend twilight after twilight you know I've got a family I've got a job uh, you know there's nothing wrong with saying you know I'm just going to pay take some weeks out and go do the campaign that way and certainly as as Neil mentioned it can sort of get you over the line once you've got a Cat One race experience yeah suddenly you've probably belt. got sea survival. You've done a Cat One race. You, you you add rather than take up yeah. places. Suddenly, suddenly you're now so much more valuable to any crew that might want to do it yeah. in the future. So it's a great way to kind of bridge that gap, um, that sort of barrier to entry of time, uh, and just 
pay for a spot, get it done once, and then you're probably not going to have to pay again if you don't want to. And and certainly, I mean, we've we've done it with crews. I mean, in, in 2010, Neil and I were together, and we had a great race. Um, won the division that we were racing in. Um, of the seven paying crew, I think one of the ladies now owns her own yacht and campaigns it with paying crew herself. Um, and yeah. uh, and you know, so that's a huge success story. She's over in Europe um, campaigning a, a first 40, has, has done for several years. So you know, that for her was a huge success story and really changed her life. Um, uh, so, and, and it was also fun. You know, we've, we've actually still got friendships from that race, from the paying crew that we, that we still know. So, um, so it's, there, it's no second best or, or inferior alternative. It's really just a, a case of, look, I don't have the time to invest in campaigning and building all those relationships. I'm gonna have to pay if I wanna do this and, uh, and find the boats or the, ca- or the outfits that are running a, a paid campaign and, and sign up. Now another one that you did, which I think, because yeah, I don't want, I don't think we could dissect every race because it would go on forever, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, it, but one other which I I would really like to touch on is obviously a bunch of mates kind of struck gold that they had a a good mate in their friendship circle being you who was you know qualified and experienced to be the skipper. But assuming that comes up, you know, between us, we've seen these a few times. Let's look at bunch of mates kind of maybe chartering a boat putting that together because i think that that was you know i think all of them had their own success stories but that was a real success story for you i'd forgotten about it till we were doing the 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 chat just before but let's just chat about how that might work other than the obvious like get a number divided by x i mean what what are the complexities yeah so obviously it's it's a rarer occasion that you would find yourself knowing you know a number of people enough to take a yacht to Hobart who don't have a boat, but you really think, well, between between us, we've got the skills and the resources we could perhaps charter. Um, and uh, and and then you know you you sort of you you're dele- delegating responsibilities to somebody. You know, let's assume that one of you is the most experienced, has done some skippering of boats in the past, and certainly have done offshore yacht races as a skipper in the past it's not it's not a that's not a circumstance where you want to be really very green as a crew and think uh you know let's go you know you don't you don't take a bunch of mates who have never climbed everest and think hey well let's we get together and do it we can climb everest you know you would uh that you wouldn't be safe enough but if you if you had that group of people who did have you know a bunch of mountaineers who did have the experience um chartering and and going down for the race is a perfectly fine option of course I think I think the risk, if anything, in that is making sure you're not underprepared. Um, you know, if you're not, if this is a sort of first time thoughts, first time for doing the Sydney to Hobart, it's a case of making sure you've done you, within your team, you've got enough experience of other offshore yacht races, so you'd be a safe outfit on the way down, um, and I'm sure. You know, almost any boat owner who would think about chartering would have that as a pretty high bar. They'd want yeah. they'd want the uh, the prospective people coming to chart the boat to get over. Blow out that ten grand damage deposit pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's all too easily. But that's you know yeah. that's not even it. The you know, that whole point about being able to bring everybody back to the dock safely at the end of the day and all go on with your lives. That's what that's about. Yeah. Um, 
so we, you know we we did it we had a great time um we we did have the experience on board of of several people who had done the sydney to hobart before um and we obviously fully qualified with all the cat one requirements in terms of sea ex you know, race experience sea survival in fact everybody did a sea survival course for that race so so i think i think that's perhaps the most important thing is you know it's not something to be gung-ho about and if it is your first hobart you know probably just joining a crew or joining a paid experience who go every single year and they run that as a commercial operation where you know safety is their number one priority for you um the chartering, of course, is an option if uh, if you happen to find a group of mates and you're very experienced too. Um, look, thank you. And I, I think, you know, something I would highlight that's kind of come out of this for me and what first drew my attention to looking at John's kind of wealth of experience, and yeah, thanks so much for sharing what you have here, is it's really, really important to look at what the dynamic is going to be that so whether you're a bunch of mates setting it up and you've, you you know, think if one of you's got to be the skipper but everyone's paying an equal amount yeah you know, it just needs managing because ultimately one person is going to be responsible if you're um if you're looking at bringing a team on with you and setting up a a campaign maybe over a year or a couple of years uh finding roles for people i mean i certainly know uh whenever i'm involved in offshore yacht racing partly because i'm i'm one of the blessed few that don't ever get seasick so i tend to uh gravitate towards the um the galley with a, a dad that's a sailor and a mum with a catering company it's a pretty obvious spot for me and <laughs> and then go and find myself to the front or the back of the boat as required um but i think when joining a team for teams to work everyone has to have a role so if you're thinking about putting a team together or joining a team i would suggest that you really try and think about what either if you're putting it together what you want from different people and just like you would in a professional environment making sure that everyone's on the same page if you're putting yourself forward to join a team try and actually think about what you can add other than you know trimming like how how can i be an active part of this team what can i what can i do that's useful to try and help make it all come together uh, and and take a bit of load off of a skipper and um, i mean something which i've ob enjoyed observing with john over the the time is although it be very easy for you to get paid to go to Hobart every year you seem to gravitate towards just enjoying being on the boat when everyone's on a similar footing and there's it's true. not necessarily some paid some not you know, you tend to have because it's all fun yeah um you tend to have the most fun in those scenarios to me yeah I, I you know it's quite some years ago now I decided that my yachting my sailing that had been a just a pleasurable activity as a boy for a period of time, I found myself getting paid to sail, and and you know at least ten years ago now, I, th I think I decided oh that time to draw that to an end. I've got to do some other things with my time. I try and earn a crust with, and I want sailing to be just my sport again. And uh, and so you know certainly over recent years, most of my Hobarts have you know have been about sailing with friends, going down for the love of the love of it, um, and uh, and that's. That's just been me, you know. Um, I prefer to just have have fun with friends, um, and yeah. Awesome, mate. Well, look, thanks so much uh, for joining us, John. And I, I hope we've been helpful to uh, you know help inspire a few of you to uh, 
across a few start and finish lines of some offshore races, maybe even Hobart in varying capacities.